Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I am the Grumpy Surfer and your host, Ads Lyson. On the podcast this week, I have an amazing guest. He's a former serving Royal Navy Matlow and now currently working on the close protection circuits. But he is the owner of Mr. Bassett's Grappling Soap, a soap not just for grapplers, but for anybody that has sensitive skin. In the podcast, we talk about how we got into actually making soap and uh, what he's doing now. So please enjoy my conversation with an absolutely fantastic and interesting guy, Dan Bassett. Dan Bassett, welcome to the podcast. Hello, mate. How you doing? Yeah, good. Good to see you've got your grandma blanket you've just pulled over your legs. <laughs> yeah. I thought that that was out of vision. I was like, just got my little pesty gym shorts on. And now uh, I was like, yeah, I reckon that nobody will be able to see that if I put a blanket on my legs. But yeah, okay, snipes. Well, 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 at least you've got some pants on. That's the main thing. It's not like you're <laughs> pulling it over your gooch hanging out. Full Ron Burgundy, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, th- this conversation has kind of come about uh, quite quickly and quite randomly, really. So I um, we kind of bumped into each other or I saw you through social media through uh, Mo Morris who was running the Beachfront BJJ seminar which you um, yeah. which you supported uh, with your with your grappler soap um, but randomly when I messaged you and, uh, and asked you about doing it uh, you mentioned that you know you, your brother was in the Royal Marines and uh, I mentioned who it was Mark uh, Marcus Bassett and I was like what what bay and uh yeah. Yeah, so me and Bertie have known each other, you know, for for quite a long time. It, it was just quite a a random coincidence, but you can't really call it that because you're an ex Matlow yourself, aren't you? So, mate, you know, do you know what? As well, do you know, and because because I'm an ex Matlow and and uh, I didn't really enjoy my time in the mob. It wasn't really. I was, I got talked into a technical job, and I'm not a technical kind of guy. You probably worked that out by now. But me trying to set up a Zoom meeting, Mo Morris would be like that, shaking his head. Um, but yeah, I did it. I did a bit of time in the uh, navy. Got talked into going comms, and luckily, all my trips were boarding deployments, and I just didn't do any office work. But um, my little brother, it could have been very different for him because uh, he was a takeaway chef in Sinai's when he's when he's a lad, and um, he said to me, "I think I'm going to join the forties." I was like, "No way, which one?" Um, and he said, "I think I'm about, I'm either the Marines or the RAF as a PTI." And I, I went, "Don't you dare join the RAF! Don't do it." And uh, so he joined the he joined the Royal Marines, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, was it sort of like was it a plan that you were going to both join up, or was it just something that came along and and you kind of you know thought it was a good idea? No, it's um. So we're like um, we're not talking cheese. We're we're very similar, but very different in other ways. Like me and my brother, as you know, like you met me for two minutes. We. we slightly different blokes. He's more straight laced and likes rules and being told what to do and being being in this place at this time in this rig. And and um maybe I would have liked it if um if I wasn't in the RN. Um but yeah life on a pass is grey is a bit like silly little things that that are necessary but like not my cup of tea. Um so I only joined the Navy because I didn't know what else I was gonna do. Um I'm not very academic. My brother's got that um that sewn up, you know, he got my share of that. So uh 
basically I was a very small, very skinny young lad playing rugby. I was like the the, the stereotypical Napoleon syndrome scrum half size lads, but I had hands like deal day, so I couldn't play scrum half. So I was just out in the wing, and uh, I um, my dad said to me one day reading the paper, he was like, "Why don't you join the navy?" And I went, yeah, 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 I might do. And he went, look, there's another bit here. Why don't you do a Navy? I went, yeah, keep that. All right, I'll look into it. And he goes, well, go and ring up. I was like, yeah, okay, all right, I will. So he, he gave me a load of money to go to the phone box and ring up. So I rang up the careers office. They're like, yeah, come in on Tuesday. I was like, oh, God. So I thought, I'll go in on Tuesday. No intention of joining. I thought, I'll go along and have a chat. But thought it wasn't too bad. And I liked the idea of being a gunner or um, not... I could see that that wasn't really where I was at, but Minesweeper, I was like, Minesweeper would be good because you could do ship's diver at the time. Small boats, which, you know, growing up in St. Ives, you know, a fishing family and always in boats and always in the sea knocking around. Oh, that'd be good, you know, like messing around with explosives and doing a bit of diving and all that sort of nonsense. Um, but I went to the careers office and this was the era when you could be like downright lied to, couldn't you? So um, they were like, ah, oh, why don't you join? Because on paper, I'm quite switched on. Uh, my brother, my, when my brother went to the careers office for a little stint, they said to him, oh, you're, um, you're Dan Bass's brother. He went, yeah, yeah, yeah. They went, oh, he's smart, lads. And my brother started laughing. And uh, he's like, they were like, um, what, what are you laughing at? He goes, oh, stop taking the piss. That's my brother. And he, they're like, no, no, he's switched on cookie. And they're like, he's like, fuck off, lads. It's my brother. And they're like, no, look. <laughs> they, showed me, they showed him the scores and he couldn't believe it. Um but yeah, so uh, it could have been very different. They taught me into getting comms, and, uh, and I hated it as a technical job for people with a bit more intelligence than, um, than than what I've got in reality. You know, maybe on paper I've, I've got some, but uh, yeah, my intelligence is sort of, soap making is about the limit of it, basically, mate. So I do a bit of soap making, a bit of firefighting. Um, I'm on a security team uh, at the minute, and uh, I do a bit of art as well, and um yeah, and that's that's kind of where I am. Being a being a Cornishman, it's always always good to ask this. You know, did you ever did you ever dabble in a bit of surfing, or do you surf yourself? Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. That's that's. Um, I was listening to the uh, Nick Pisco uh, podcast yesterday. It's really interesting. Uh, I did I did notice that in the promotion for it, you said he lives in Newquay, England, mate. Come on, let's. Uh, Newquay is not in England. It's full of English people, but it's not in England. It's in Cornwall, and, uh, and we'll we'll get that corrected. But uh, yeah, no, I grew up um, always always in jogging when you're a kid. I don't know how you do it. You go in for like four hours. You get out some chips. You go back in for four hours. But you know, just in trunks or whatever. But yeah, grew up messing around, and then um, I got into bodyboarding, and I'm kind of like um, I've always I don't know what it is with me. Like I like the I like the thing that's uncool, you know. Like I don't know why I've got an iPhone and not like a Samsung or something. But um, yeah, I'm not, I've never been into the zeitgeist. So um, when all my mates went from bodyboarding to shortboarding, I just stuck stuck with the bodyboarding. I've got a longboard. I've got a big um, what is it like a nine foot single fin, um, which um, I very rarely get out on because I live in Truro and it's awesome. We're like central for both coasts. But um, I never, like, actually see the surf, whereas I grew up in St. Ives, and my dad's place where I grew up is literally two minutes two minutes bimble to the top of Portmere Hill, so you can see all the breaks, and you can see all the way along to Padrivi, and you can see, you know, you can see the white of the waves and how they're breaking and what the sizes of them, you know, and then you, you know, now you've got magic seaweed and stuff as well, which, although it'll lie to you like a hairy egg, it's uh, it's good for backing up what you can see with your eyeballs, isn't it? So, yeah, no, I grew up... Um, 
bodyboarding and never really sort of uh, progressed too much out of that. You know, it was always fun to knock around on a foamy or, or you know, on a on a longboard or whatever on a nice small evening. But yeah, don't get in as much as I'd like to. Everyone's got to be, someone's got to be a shark biscuit, haven't they? Mate, <laughs> that's it. I'm tasty, mate. They love me, those sharks. They love me. I've got a good story because I was um I was down in uh, Cornwall years ago. I got a few few friends um that that lived down that way. I was staying in Camborne, which is you know one of the nicest <laughs> places in England to uh, yeah. to live. Not in England, not in England. Although you can have Camborne. <laughs> well, I'm trying to be sort of like a little bit more direct because the audience of this podcast isn't just the UK. It's like people listening all over the shop. So. Well, yeah. in that case, you're you're oppressing um, me and my ethnic minority, mate. So uh, you need to you need to stop doing that. <laughs> well, everyone's offended by something, and I'm really not that bothered. So yeah, <laughs> if you're offended yeah. by me, that's your that's your issue, not mine. Yeah, well, you've seen my Instagram, so you know I agree with you there, mate. Carry on. Sorry. <laughs> I was either I was either proper deep dark um, deep dark pub, and it was uh, I think it was down in Saint Just. And uh, we was talking to a couple of the old fishermen boys there and um, we were talking about traveling, like going to the airport and, you know, going traveling around Indonesia, surfing and uh, and different random stuff. And he said, oh, I, I, I've never been north of the border. And I was like, what? He's like, I'm, he'd never been out. He'd never been out of Cornwall. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. He just stayed in Cornwall and that was it. And everything that he did. Um, was was within, you know, his his kind of bubble, like his two or three mile bubble around where he lives and his boat where he went fishing and stuff. And in a way, that's kind of kind yeah. of quite quite sweet. But I think, yeah, the the, the world is is such a small place now um, that, and it's so easy to travel. Yeah, okay, don't get me wrong; it it costs a little bit of money to do that. But um, to 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 spend your life kind of in that in that sort of place is quite an old school mentality, I think. Maybe I don't know. It was. It's a very old school mentality, and for some people that could be absolute heavens. For some people, it could be hell. And and I think as well, the funny thing with that is you won't necessarily know which type of person you are, or you know, because if you've never been out of that bubble, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna know, you know, if the grass is greener or not, are you? So I suppose it depends a lot on your your mentality and your your attitude um yeah it's just like you know i sort of i had to travel because of the navy and then i got out of the navy and i was working offshore and then i was doing the uh the somali part thing like everybody else did um and then i you know i haven't really traveled since you know i was just flying 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 all the time and then i, I haven't I, i've been made to go on holiday twice you know in the last few years and i'm like oh god but uh yeah it's it's it does broaden your horizons, but people always say like, oh, travel and you'll see that everybody's the same and, um, you know, it'll broaden your horizons and open your mind up. We're all the same. It kind of done the opposite of me as well, though, because depending on where you travel and what you're doing, I know that's a big part of it, but you see that, you know, we're not all the same. We're, we're all the same creatures. We're, you know, we're apes that have become civilized and depending on where you go, more or less civilized. So, um, yeah, and, you know, it's not all you can't say that we're all the same um, with some and all cultures are equal because when you've seen other cultures and, and how some people operate and it's just like, right, okay, well, you know, some, some are better than others. I'm afraid that's, that's my opinion anyway. 
Well, it does. It kind of makes you a little bit more humbled about what you've got. And um, yeah, I, and I, I'm I'm a big I'm a big believer that uh, as as a kind of Western society, and we do we do take we do take things for granted quite a lot. Like from like for me, for instance, and you, we, we both live uh, in holiday destinations. So when the summer turns around and you've got all the emmets and grockles and all them sort of people coming down on holiday and stuff, you're like, oh my god! Like you don't want to leave your house in the summer because the traffic's so bad and you're whinging about it. But you forget that you live in one of the most beautiful parts of the parts of the world where different people from all over the world come on holiday to experience the place wh where you live. And yeah. I, and again, I was just sat up when we did that beachfront BJJ seminar yesterday um, over the weekend and I was just looking out going I'm so fucking lucky to live here 100% and, and I like I said I mentioned Pork Me you know it's where I spent most of my most of my um, afternoons in the summer you know and pretty much all day in the summer but um, I always thought Pork Me was the best beach in the world you know and I've been all around the shop we were in Antigua and I was like ah you know I'm not I, the sand isn't that good you know and then we got to Bondi and I was like well, I've heard a lot about Bondi. Yeah, the, the sand is really good. It's a good beach. I was like, this is on a par with Port Mia, you know? And then um, my missus made me move to, she made me move to Truro. I was working away. She lives in Truro, so I couldn't get her to move down to St. Isaac and bug out for like seven weeks working. So reluctantly moved to Truro. And uh, first I didn't, I didn't really take to it. And then um, on a sunny day in Truro, it quietens down because everybody goes to the coast. And it's like, so you get less traffic, less people around. And also, I'm not going to say on a podcast where the beaches are that I go. We go to beaches in this area, and it is just locals. Like, it, and you and like you can pick a spot. You can pick a little cove, and you have a cove to yourself. And it's like, and I grew up on Porthmere, where it's like you've got to stake out your your little spot, you know. And then people are running through it, and oh, I've got seagulls, and yeah. So you again it's, it's it's almost like the conversation we we're having a minute ago about you know not getting out of St just you know and opening up your your horizons you know i was i, I traveled the world thinking that nowhere was better than st ives and then um for beach wise and then you know I, I reluctantly start going to beaches elsewhere in cornwall and i'm like oh actually this is better um so yes yeah, it's, it's it's all and, and that'll happen again you know and and everything was you know it's the old volcom um the old Volcom sort of logo, in it? You know, the only constant is change. It's so so true, isn't it? I uh, I personally think the Devon's better than Cornwall because there's better surf breaks and more reefs. So, um, but that that's a contentious issue. But you know, I'm just <laughs> going to put I'm going to put it out. <laughs> You're tapped, mate. <laughs> oh well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get a load of shitty messages now because I've said that. <laughs> well, mate, when you talk about the Devon Cornwall thing, um, like. I, I always get grief because uh, you know, like the old uh, jam first on the on the sponge on the um, cream teas, you know. Well, like I, my brother agrees with me as well, but he he told me the other day that he's getting a Devon flag in his garage gym, which I was disgusted about, right? But he said he lives in Devon. I'm like, never. Um, we both agree, cream first on a on a. Um, oh, what's the word now? Scone. Scone, yes, scone. Yeah, cream first on scone because you get more purchase with cream. It just makes sense. Um, but yeah, that that'll probably be me uh, sort of reviled and cancelled now off uh, Cornish Facebook or whatever. 
Um, well, I, I'm really just going to shit on both the Devon and the Cornwall thing there. I mean, why can't you just put a little bit of jam in a tub with some cream, whisk it up, and then spread it on, and you've got it both together? Oh, dude, come on. You it's only the same, get one, it's, no, it's the no, same you're thing. Getting, you're getting one flavour, then this is two flavours. You're seeing yourself off for 50% of the enjoyment. Maybe. Maybe. Ah, yes! <laughs> Mate, I don't give a shit. I, 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 I'll... I'll I'll cut it in half and I'll put the cream on first and then the jam and then I'll put the jam and the cream on the second one, you know. Get the best of both worlds. Yeah, no, I, I do that as well. The one thing I can't stand is, and and we can talk about pasties or whatever and overdo these <laughs> and whatever, but it's when you see pasty, pasty and chips with a salad garnish, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, that, Who the that's... fuck has pasty and chips? Pasties that... are enough on their own. Pasty and chips, you look at, you look in um, any sort of Weatherspoonsy type place and look at what the uh, I know you call them grockles up there, you know, Emmett's um yeah, patty and chips, mate. That's what they are. And with beans as well. But it's like, what what are you doing? You know, it's weird that every place in the country has their um has their own little thing. I, I remember when I when I first passed out of training, I went up to um I went up to Kamach on the uh, on the west side of Scotland. Oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, and Helensburgh was the um was the closest closest yeah. little town. And I remember, like the delicacy there was chips, chips, beans, chips, chips, cheese, and beans with a little bit of coleslaw on the side. And you used to get the little metal tray with it. Honestly, like if you looked at it in the daytime when you had another few beers, it looked like a seagull shit in a bowl. But it was pretty decent. And I, you know, I, I still, buy, I still buy by that now. That bit of chips, cheese, and coleslaw. You can't go wrong with that. Chips, cheese, and coleslaw. Yeah, chips and cheese is a meal, isn't it? That's um. Yeah, yeah, coleslaw, I can see that. Yeah, I like a bit of that. I, I, but I, I don't know. It depends what you've been drinking the night before, whether actually coleslaw is going to sit with you nice or what. I don't, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's, that's about the only salad I eat is a bit of coleslaw, mate. That's, um, <laughs> that's bad for you, isn't it? I, I maintain that. I don't know. You look like you're sitting on a carnivore diet at the moment. Oh, but, mate, I, I, did, I did have some bread this morning. I had a bacon sandwich as a bit of a treat. But, um, yeah, no, I'm... I'm about eighty percent, um, about eighty percent carnivore. Let's say when I'm home because I I'll eat the family meal and like last time we had a roast or whatever. But I'll generally fill myself up. It's awesome because I've got a wife and two girls. The dog is my only male company in the, in the house, and um, when we have a roast chicken, none of them eat the chicken skin, so I get all the skin, all the legs, and then all the meat that's left over. So I basically get about three quarters of a chicken. You know, every time we sit down, and you know, I'll have a bit of chicken, a bit of stuffing, and had some potato, potatoes dolphin was um apparently uh last night and uh, that was me so yeah i was on like the bjj nutrition podcast the other week they're like right what's your what's your diet like i was like 80 percent meat like, right what's the rest of it i was like protein bars and they're like right uh anything else I was like nah <laughs> why don't what, what what about veg i was like why would you eat veg <laughs> like, yeah it, all, all it does is flush stuff out you want to keep it in yeah. Yeah, like like I I was a big believer in it, and um, I used to eat a load of veg. Um, obviously, as a kid, I never ate any effort unless I had to. And then, as an adult, I started eating a load of veg, and um, I noticed I got a lot leaner because I was eat I was getting my my protein and getting my you know getting my protein macros in, and then I was filling myself up on veg and having a little bit of carbs on the side. And it's just a common sense way to do it for me. Um, filling stuff up on the good stuff, and then have less of the bad stuff. It's just it's just common sense, isn't it? But 
Um, and I used to argue with my mate. He was saying, "Ah, you don't need veg and all this sort of stuff." And I was, "Ah, you're you're an idiot." And then um, I tried it. And my guts, mate. I've always had sensitive skin and sensitive sensitive guts, and uh, my guts just improved like that. Bang! I cut out milk years ago, so I have lacto-free milk, which kills me. It kills me to admit that I have lacto-free milk because everybody's, "Oh, I'm lactose intolerant," like that. But I am. So is my brother. So is my sister. So, is, so we've kind of got something going on there. But yeah, cut out the lactose, cut out the veg, and my guts were like, oh, okay, cool, your guts are, are fine now. And, I was, and and nobody believes me as well. They're like, oh, you know, what do you eat? I'm like, just meat. And they're like, well, how, no, you can't look like that, just eating meat. I'm like, well, how, what, do you think you're going to get fat eating meat? People are still like all um, influenced by those those massive cherry pick studies in the 50s, you know, with the, the sugar industry and all that sort of stuff, which was conspiracy theory five years ago. And like everything else, you know, is, conspiracy fact now isn't it i think a lot of that sort of stuff is very um people are kind of they are very much influenced and and directed in certain ways because no one wants to read research no one wants to do their own homework to find out about things you know on their own you know being a therapist now I've, i've been a therapist now for a couple of years the one thing that i've kind of used to take I've I've taken for granted is the fact that I think people know know about nutrition and know about exercise when actually I'd say 90% of the population really don't know anything at well, all maybe well it's well it's understandable as well Nick because when you look into like I did a um uh PT course and um PT and like a level three nutrition which was just an add-on I was like I'll do it because it's free um level three nutrition it's that and you like it's asking you the questions for the exam right and it's like right how much how what percentage of your plate should be carbohydrate every meal and i'm like fucking zero like what should be carbohydrate i'm like what are you fucking doing the tour de france like no and it's like something like 60 percent. and i'm like what and then it's like the food pyramid i'm like what where are they getting this from so you can understand like people who are like you know understand like some sort of 55 60 year old um you know male or female that doesn't have like a circle of people that are you know royal marines commandos or jiu-jitsu practitioners or mma fighters or whatever they are ptis what you know whatever like to to talk to and they go they google it and oh there's a government website and then oh i should eat 60 percent right okay cool like it's no wonder people don't know their ass from their elbow is it and then as well like you've got the whole you've got the whole like uh body shaming for you fat phobic you know like i did it i i put a question out the other day saying um you know fat pts in gyms what we're saying yes or no and um just because i've got i've got my opinion i thought probably got a bias on this um see what everybody else thought and there's a bit of pushback but again it's the usual thing isn't it like the the minority shout the loudest so like we're like we're conditioned at the minute to think that there's a lot of a lot of people that are vegan um, because you see vegan options everywhere it's something like it's between like one and five percent of the population are vegan but you know because they like they're like always talking about it um which there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of them are doing it for ideological reasons and they believe in what they're doing so that they're, they're talking about it and they're promoting it and they're trying to save animals like yeah brilliant but it's we we think that that's like the majority of people when it's not um yeah, I don't know. It's sort of it winds me up how how wrong people are about it and stuff, and especially over the last sort of three years with the obvious that we won't won't mention. You know the 
the disinformation and the misinformation and the people that are convinced that hundred percent that they're right. And then, you know, you're like, okay, cool. And right. Well, you, you do your thing. You go and get what you want to put in your body and I'll do the same. Um, and, uh, and that's good, you know, and, and I hope it does you well. And then you're getting called an idiot and a conspiracy theorist and that you're dangerous to other people. You're a danger to yourself. You know, the, the white house were putting out press statements saying, for the unvaccinated, it's going to be a long, difficult winter of pain, suffering, and death, or something like that. That's the White House, and like, and the, you know, you've got family members saying, "This, you know, I won't, I won't name them." Literally, call me an idiot to my face for said, "Oh, you're going to go get your your finger bobs?" Nah, why not? I don't need them. What do you mean you don't need them? I was like, I'm forty years old at the time. Forty years old. I train. Two times a day, sometimes three times a day, like five times a week. I generally have two days off on the weekend because I get a really nice recovery. Um, I do Wim off every day. I do ice or a cold shower every day. Um, I sauna every other day. You know, sometimes I don't have the time for the sauna as well. Um, my immune system, since I started that, they all kind of tied in when I, when I cut the veg out. I started doing some cardio because I never used to do cardio. <laughs> and I uh, started doing Wim off um, and started doing cold. And um, I went from getting a sniffly nose every two or three months, you know, cold every two or three months to having two colds. And um, I caught COVID at the very end uh, when it was Omicron, when it, when it was, you know, bugger all, but very infectious um, in four years. And that was rolling with, I rolled with people with COVID the whole way through, not knowing it. Oh, listen, mate, I've got COVID. I've now infected everybody. I'm like, I haven't got it. Um and, and and people people said to me, oh, how, what do you do for your health? You're always healthy. I'm like, well, I do, make sure I do a little bit of cardio now. You know, like, when I say cardio, people use it wrong, don't they? And I do as well, because we all do. Aerobic, when I say cardio, I mean aerobic. And cardio, like, weight training is cardio, isn't it, effectively? Um, I widen my mate up about that. So, um, yeah, get my heart going. Go and do a bit of aerobic. I'm in the cold. I'm breathing. Breath work is a form of meditation anyway, so... You're getting your back door in all your meditation that you don't get around to doing. Um, I said, like, this is what I do. And, and they're like, what do you do for stress? I'm like, all oh, that's for stress. They're like, no, no, what do you do for your head? I'm like, all oh, that's my head. You know, that's 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 a physical way of me exercising what I need to get out to be good. Um, they're like, ah, oh. what they want you to say is, oh, I'll take this pill. Do you know, I'll take this vitamin you can get it for 35 quid on Amazon. It'll be here tomorrow and you don't have to do anything. And um, yeah, it winds me up a little bit, but. It, to to each your own you know um you can't you can't tell people to do it. it's it's that different you know like um it's like a hierarchical pyramid of like um sorts of information information knowledge truth wisdom you know like like my, my dad always used to say to me oh you need to um you need to save money for a rainy day and you'll be glad you did and i go okay cool and he so i know i know this information is probably true and he's saying listen i'm telling you this because i never did it um, and you'll, you'll be glad if you did save, save 10%, 20% of your wages, keep it there for any day. And you'll have a load of money there. I, you know, I wish I'd done this. And so that's proof that to him, that's wisdom, right. Or knowledge. And I, to me, it's knowledge because I know that's true information, but to him it's wisdom because he's got an emotional attachment to it. And it doesn't become wisdom to me until I've gone 10 years later, didn't invest the money, didn't save the money. And I go, fuck, that was wisdom. Now it's wisdom for me. But it's taking that that emotional 
attachment to it, that bond to it, to, to make it wisdom. It's um, you can't impart wisdom to it. What they say, beware of wisdom easily earned, because you're probably you're probably wrong. But yeah, I, you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a bit of a meathead uh, meathead hippie hybrid, you know. Hence, I'm the the only um, the only non postmenopausal uh, soap making fighting man in uh, in the world. But let's talk about that a little bit. So you have got a bit of a, a a prolonged career in sort of like the the martial art sort of like fighting arena because you've done a few MMA fights and yeah. um, you know you're into jiu-jitsu now and and uh, so where, where did all that start um, and uh, how did you get into it? So it started um, it started in about uh, probably about 2009. Like I said, I was a little. I was a little uh, angry whippet of a, of a lad, like a Japanese racing snake, as I was always called, much from a chagrin. And um, I realised that I just liked the scrapping side of rugby uh, more than anything else. You know, I just liked throwing the handbags around. And um, I, I couldn't catch a ball. I'd have been all right if I could catch a ball. Um, but I couldn't. So I got into, started doing a bit of striking. Um, and then I went to see some kickboxing and it was scored on like, it was scored really weird, so I thought, well, as a sport, I don't like that. I like striking. Um, and then um, some friends of mine were talking about MMA, and um, uh, basically I got talked in. So, um, the guy who was training me went to a seminar, and uh, he was chatting to someone he knows who's also like a, you know, a trainer. And he said, oh, I've got this lad, and he's been doing it six months, and he's nails. And um, so the guy who was training me said, oh, I've got this lad. I've been training him three months, and he's nails. So they're like, all right, we'll see if your lad wants to fight. So he came back and said, ah, oh, explain to me, this lad wants to fight you. He's been doing it a bit longer than you. All right, cool. He's a lad from Plymouth called James. I won't say his surname. It's probably highly embarrassing for him because I mentioned it on every podcast. Um, I said, yeah, I'll fight him. Um, is he keen? He said, well, apparently he's really hard. I said, well, good, brilliant, like that. Um, I said, well, tell him, ask him if he wants to fight pro, so he may as well fight pro. Um, so he came back, yeah, 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 we'll fight you pro. So sold all the tickets for mates, so I'm like, telling all the lads at rugby, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this MMA now. And they're like, right, I'll come. Sold 25 tickets to Strength and Armour in uh, Exeter. Um, Andy Costello's um, event, good good bloke. I, you probably know that part of the world. But, like, brilliant story on him. Um, good book as well. Uh, so I went up there the, the day before or 36 hours before this guy disappeared off the face of the earth. And I think his coach realised he was having a wobble. And he, he pretty much got hold of... Um, the promoter and then my guy and said like no he's he's disappeared and he's not coming back like he he shat it so um me being like young dumb and full of the obvious i was like right well get me a stand in i'm having a fight um i need to get this out of my system so um and i just wanted to prove that i was who i thought i was at the time like three months mma training so obviously then they put me down for pro haven't they so they need to get me a pro stand in so they said look the only guy that'll fight you on short notice is ad I think he'd had eight fights. I think this was his ninth fight when I fought him. Yeah, eight fights, and um, he's really tough motherfucker. I went, good, so am I, perfect. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'll fight him. So I fought this guy. Um, long, like, I was, I was saying the other day, like, um, it's quite funny, because before going up there, I had the medicals and stuff, and uh, I didn't cut weight either. I just I just fought on the weight I was, and I uh, went down on the train from... Um, I was skipping boats at the time on the wind farms in Essex. I got the train down to Exeter. And they were like, oh, why is your blood pressure high? I was like, I'm having a cage fight in like three hours. Um, you know, I haven't eaten today. I've just had a load of coffee. Uh, they're like, oh, okay. 
And then um, they're, they're doing all the interviews and stuff, and they're like, oh, what's your background? I said, oh, rugby. So they're like, no, you can't put that. And I was like, my background's rugby, mate. So we walk in, and my uh, my brother-in-law, Froggy, who I didn't mention his name on the other podcast, he got really annoyed, John Smith, uh, and another mate of mine. When they walked in, uh, the guy was fighting. Him and, his, him, him and my other mate recognised him and his coach from the British judo set-up, and they're like, oh, fuck. And... Uh, <laughs> And he comes in and they're like, um, uh, in a red corner, Cy Phillips, his ninth professional fight, um, background in boxing, Thai boxing, judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, like Roman Greco wrestling, I think it was. And then and everyone's like, yeah, this is like local favourite, really good pro. He was like ranked in the UK at the time. <laughs> and they're like, in the blue corner, like sent eyes with the blues. So I was like, yes, I'm in the blue corner, brilliant. It's like, the, the gods are smiling on me. They're like, uh, he's, he's his debut. I was like, boo. Uh, he's got a background in rugby. And it just goes quiet. And then everyone goes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, basically, it, uh, the fight starts. I I just was still like street street fighting mentality like an idiot. And uh, I just like went to engage him. And he's like, fuck this. Took me down. Got me in a like, straight armbar. And I was so pissed on adrenaline. I told my corner not to stop the fight if anything happens, it's bad. So I'm going to break it, break it like an absolute mong. Um, and he's like, <laughs> don't get me wrong, I rolled out of it. So the first thing I heard when my like hearing came back was like my corner going, roll. And I was like, oh, yeah, what an idiot. So I rolled out of it. He got, gets me in salivary. I'm like that. And he just spends like four minutes teeing off on my face. And all I could do was like a little cycle of um, telling him to hit me harder laugh and then growl so i'm like harder harder he hit me i'd laugh and i go and then he hit me harder and it would go again so he'd break his hand on my face in the end but um yeah he was like it was um i went in there trying to trying to like uh i thought at the time i was trying to prove to myself who i was or trying to prove to other people who i was so i think actually like, when you're doing all this it's like nothing's binary is it it's like a sliding scale like you're trying to like find out who you are and prove who you are at the same time i was a young man and um, I was just, I was just tough and I knew I was tough, but I wanted to find out like where I was on the scale of it against proper fighting men and being down in Cornwall, there's not much sort of, well, there's a lot more now, but there's not much in the way of sparring. And I just wanted to fight, you know, cause at the time MMA was even around for a little while, but it was still kind of the wild west with, um, with fighting a little bit. And, um, it wasn't like. Uh, there was a lot of people that were out that, oh, he's a cage fighter. And then you speak to them and they're like, oh yeah, I was going to, but I'm not allowed. Cause like, do you know what I mean? That bullshit. And you bump into people in a pub and oh, I do that UFC. And you're like, oh, do you really? Where'd you train? They're like, oh, I train at the Road to Ray. And you're like, oh, I train there every day. I haven't seen you. I didn't want to be one of those guys. So I massively like shot past all the, all the sensible little sort of hurdles that you, you sort of jump over to get to what should be the uh, the start line with MMA, you know, the finish line of your preparation for it. I just bypassed all that. Um, well, if it's only consolation, uh, Cy Phillips is actually uh, a friend of mine and uh, I, I train really? with him still. Yeah. No way. <laughs> so, like, yeah. yeah, no way. So, yeah, so from, he was at like Fightworks, uh, I think at the time, was it? Yeah, so now he's um, he's been training uh, X to BJJ, which is, which is uh, where I am under James Hodges, which is my coach. Um, no. Yeah, 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 he got no, his uh, yeah, he got his black belt last year, I think. I'm surprised he didn't have it before that. He's so he's so good, and like I looked, I looked about um, 
I don't know, about six months ago, I was telling a story to someone. And I thought, I wonder where he is now. And I looked, and his next four fights after me were in Japan on M1. <laughs> but yeah, that was my that was my um, uh, foray into uh, MMA. And then what did I do after that? Uh, I helped out a mate on a um, on a uh, unlicensed boxing show um, after I've been I've been on a piss like two weeks solid. Basically, I just met my now now wife. Mate phoned me up, oh, all, my, all my fighters are pulling out of this show. Is there any chance you can fight? And I was like, look, mate, I haven't sparred in like four months. I haven't trained in three months. I haven't done any cardio in I don't know how long. I've been on a piss for two weeks. I was like, let me let me message you back in the morning. So I wake up in the morning. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And um, yeah, so I, I got like a, I got a knockout win in the first, I think it was, well, it was in the first minute by two standard eight counts. Now, so I managed to lay him out early, which is good because I didn't have a water bottle. Didn't I had a mate come with me, um, but I didn't have him in my corner or anything like that. I didn't even think about it, and um, I was like, it wasn't until like two weeks before they're like, "Where's your water bottle? Where's your corner?" And I was like, oh, uh. and then a mate of mine, Gaz, who was at the event, he's like, "I'll corner you." He goes, "Have you got a water bottle?" I was like, "No," and he goes, "What are we gonna do?" I was like, "Let's just try and lay him out really quick," um, and uh, I got away with that one. Then I was out doing the uh so the next one was mma i was out in the comoros islands like you know in the middle of the indian ocean and uh we there's like one hotel with wi-fi there it's like a volcano with like shanty and around the harbor and stuff and uh huge spiders everywhere in the trees disgusting so we got there got to the hotel for the wi-fi and i had a message saying oh give us a ring give us a ring basic so i ring up mate smithy i'm like how you doing he goes yeah mate because i've got something that might interest you well, what's that he goes um you were home on the weekend i'm like yeah yeah get home friday they're like, do you want to fight MMA? I was like, mate, I haven't trained. Like, I haven't been doing anything. They're like, oh, we've got this lad. He's 100, 110 or 115 kilos. Says he can have anyone in MMA. Um, we thought you'd be keen. I was like 80, 82 kilos at the time trying to bulk up. And I'm like, oh, I haven't trained, lad. They're like, yeah, but we thought you'd be up for it. I'm like, yeah, okay, fuck it. I'm in. So uh, I agreed to fight this dude. I did, between flying from Dubai to London, I get to London. Oh, he's pulled out. Don't worry, we've got you a stand-in. So I fought this, fought this guy who's just a cardio machine. Like I got ten eights on him the first round, just just wrestling, and um, and and I had no wrestling training. It was just rugby, mate, like an idiot. Um, <laughs> and then I, I just run out of steam, and uh, I had him up against the. Uh, I was going for like a double leg. I got him up against the cage. I had a bit of ice. I was just taking a bit of a break, really. And he's hitting me in the ribs like this, like, boom, boom. And I'm like, oh, God, you can do that all day. Maybe you'll tie himself out. And I open up my eyes. And through the cage is a guy, um, this guy called Chris Bolton, who's, who's now a mate of mine. Massive great big bloke. And um, Chris like, controlling the cage. And uh, Chris looked at me and goes, are you right? And I went, yeah, roll my eyes. <laughs> and this guy's hitting me in the ribs. And uh, I thought, I'll wait for him to tie himself out. Like, you know, it's about, I don't know, a minute left. So he's just punching me in the ribs. But the bell goes, and I just went, boom, dropped on the deck. Like, the body, as soon as the bell went, I think the adrenaline, the, the adrenaline just went, like, we're out of here. And I just went, boom, and I couldn't get out, mate. And I, I never, I never understood body shots until then. But, yeah, that was that. was that. And then um, I had a bit of a break. Because uh, I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't need to be fighting. You know, I didn't need to fight the last two. And um, I was training, training loads, got, in, got into my BJJ. And then... Uh, how did I get into the last fight? Oh, yeah, so mate of mine, um, John Watson, who I sponsor, he's really active. He's always fighting. He'll fight anyone for a belt. Like, he, he would 
he would fight anyone for a belt. He'd fight Mike Tyson at boxing. He'd fight my gran and fill her in. Um, if there's a belt in it, he's in. And uh, he will fight anyone. So I'd go through all these camps with him when I'm home. And he was like, mate, why aren't you fighting? And I was like, ah, I just can't bother. He's like, you're going through all my camps with me doing the training. Why aren't you fighting? And I was like, nah, I just can't be bothered. So they kind of talked me into it. I was like, yeah, yeah. Got on a range. That fell through. And then I was like, do you know what? I can't be bothered. And I was outside my house and um, uh, I'd lost my, lost my rag in traffic sort of about about sort of four or five days before. Someone, you know, like when someone cuts you up and then they're a dick and they like give it the big in, just pushes my buttons because it's like you're only giving it the big in because you're in a car. Don't do it. And then the car stops and you're like, oh, okay, you're there, are you? This is one of those. And then the lorry driver gobbed off outside my house and I, and I was genuinely going to lose my rag and I thought oh what am I doing like I'm, I'm not the bloke that's fighting in the middle of the street in broad daylight I'm not that guy especially not at 42 years old so uh, I rang up um, uh, Paul Sutherland who does Meltdown and uh, Gary does Rage and I was like you've got to get me on the show um, I don't mind which one so I got I got matched up I actually got matched up on both shows a month apart so I fought in the last September I think September the 1st again didn't didn't come. I was like, I'll fight at 80, 84. I had a matchup for 86. I was like, yeah, cool. Didn't put two and two together that this guy wanted 86 instead of 84. Didn't think about it. Like, not the brightest. Um, so I just stopped lifting weights for like, I think six weeks didn't lift any weights or cut the carbs out a little bit. And I was 85 all week before. Weighed in. I had two, I had two double, uh, what do you call them? McMuffins. Two double McMuffins before the weigh-in. And I was still only 85 kilos, bang on. This guy weighed in next to me, like, I don't know, there, something like that. He, like, giant knocker pods, big Welsh fella from the valleys. And uh, that's like, that helped me doing. And uh, tried knocking him out early. Um, nearly got nearly got him. I broke my foot. I kicked him. So we're, we're about to start the fight, and I had this lovely combo for starting. And then just as the bell goes... Sean, he's in my corner, he's a really good boxer, he goes, he's a southpaw, Bassie, he's a fucking southpaw. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. And I'm like, what do I know about southpaws? I'm like, okay, got an inside leg dominates. That, that's my knowledge about it. I'm like, shit. Right, well, I can't start the fight that way. I thought, I'll kick him. So I went, bang, really heavy leg kick on his on his thigh. And, and it went, boom. And everybody went, ooh. And I was like, good. And my corner, like, kick him again. I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. To go to kick him again because he's so much taller than me, so rangy. I'm like, kind of lean back a little bit, and I just caught his knee with like, with like the the sort of top of my foot, right on his knee. St- didn't didn't feel it. Step back, and my foot was bending in like this really weird way, and it was like crunch crunch. And I was like, what's that? You know, it's all happening so fast. I'm in a fight at the time, six seconds into the fight in the first round. Um, I'm like, what was that? So I step again, and it's like crunch, crunch. And I'm like, that's very odd. What is it? Step again, crunch, crunch. I'm like, ah, oh, my foot's bending sideways. And it's the bones. So I'm like, all right, no worries. Carry on. Guy gets hold of me. I look, so I'm trying to knock him out. Um, he grabs hold of me, and like the size, the size difference, he cut from well over 100 kilos, and I was walking around at 85 kilos a week. Like, he just grabs hold of me and goes, boom. And and it was like you know, like you know like you know if your ground's about to step in a dog shit and you just grab your ground and move it like it was like that and I was like ah right okay this is that thing where I'm not the strong bloke anymore <laughs> and he just wrestled me and uh, yeah I was on the bottom for the bottom of uh, Mount for the whole of the second round and it's quite interesting when you look at it like I know like um, 
everybody loves jujitsu and I love jujitsu and um, I love jujitsu, but it's easy to get into the mindset. Like even when you do like jujitsu and you do a bit of striking, like, I know, I, you know, I know jujitsu and I know striking. So I'll be, I'll be good from here. And you're watching UFC and you're like, why isn't he escaping? I'm on the bottom of mount with a broken foot, but it wasn't all the broken foot either. It's like, I don't do enough probably striking from, um, with my grappling. I'm just on the bottom and I, and I was just thinking, well, these aren't doing me any damage. I'm having a rest. Like I'll just stay here. And I stayed on the bottom and, um, survived that for the second round. And I survived like a, during the course of the fight, guillotine, dust, dust was really good. Rear naked where he had his hooks in, had me flattened out and everything was going. And I thought, and, and a head and arm as well, I think it was. And twice in the four submissions, I was like, it went, this honestly went through my head. Like, um, I'm going to look silly at work because I'm, you know, I have a security job. I'm going to look silly at work and my mates are going to take the piss out of me. And this is as everything's going, you know, as you know, when you know when you're going. And I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not tapping. And just as I'm going, I give it like a, a wiggly worm and uh, managed to get a bit of space and, and survive. And, uh, and I got through it. And, it. and it's kind of like, like I said, that meathead hippie sort of hybrid sort of thing. And like, you get like your, your, uh, your facial sort of, revelations about it are like yeah okay um i know i'm i know i'm tough and i know i'm too stupid to give up sometimes and i was off work for 11 weeks with no pay because i broke my foot on someone this is all me being stupid but the the wisdom that i got out of that that's sort of that will stay with me forever is that when the shit was really uh against the fan the shit hit the fan and it was coming back my way a i really know that I can, I, if I want to, I won't give up and I'll crack on with something. And two, I was like, it didn't ever go through my head that my, my kids or my wife or, you know, my best mates or whatever would say anything or, or there's any hint of humiliation or embarrassment with regards to them because they, those people love you for who you are. And it's, it's, it's unconditional pretty much, isn't it? You know, so it doesn't matter. And, um, it's only people that are, you know, in, in the sort of in the periphery of your your social circle or you know social media or whatever that you you've got that fear of humiliation with. And also, as you probably worked out by me already, you know, I don't take myself too seriously. So if you can laugh at yourself, you've got nothing to fear of other people laughing at you. So it's only your ego, isn't it? So I think um, though, if if you um, as you get older, your the way that you see things and the way that you think about things and your opinions of other people don't don't really matter it's just your you know the immediate i, I i've talked about bubbles before and yeah. it's like your immediate bubble that that really matters anything to you um social media and and all that oh. sort of thing you know well, it's, it, it's not real the yes they are real people but it, it it's not real it's yeah, just it's, like someone not. making a comment and and that's it really they're not, they're not real though either because uh, like I read something the other day and it was a slightly different twist on on, on something I really like and it, they were saying that um, who I think I am doesn't exist. Who you think I am doesn't exist. I'm a different person to every single person in the world and so are you and you're like, and it's like, you know, you heard that thing like, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I'm who I think you think I am. So it's like, you can listen to that over and over and over again and mess it up and turn it into something else and it and it, it still means the same thing it's like I, I love it it's um it's good it's good stuff to keep in your head isn't it especially if you're having a bit of a downer about um you know about anything or whatever you know or other people's sort of uh views on you or whatever like 
fuck everybody else, you know, like keep, keep I, yourself. I've I've never never really been that bothered about people's opinions, even when oh, even when I was at school. I mean, I <laughs> I was having a I had this conversation with with my daughter the other day um, because she's Wait, moving what, up front. She, what conversation to have with your daughter? Well, she she was coming up, uh, moving up to uh, up to the next school, oh, yeah. and uh, she she was talking about, um, you know, she she was scared and uh, a little bit unsure because you know it's the fear of the unknown and and all that sort of thing. And and I said, you've got something. Your personality is the way that I was when I was at school. I even though we don't see it, we're kind of very much like the American school system where. You've got your groups of people. You've got your sports people. You've got your jocks. You've got your nerds. Um, you know those type of people. And there's lots of different sort of like groups of people. Now, if you identify with one of those, you're always going to get sort of discriminated against, even inadvertently, even though if you don't think that you are. But yeah. where I was, where I socially sat was, I I was never part of one of those groups. I knew people in all of them. Yeah. So whenever I went into a room or something like that, I knew everybody there, whether it was like playing rugby with them, whether it was socially, um, yeah. you know, whether it was from a class or an interest, whether it was like psychology or reading or something like that, I, I don't know. So I always kind of kept myself outside of um, a social group. And I didn't really realize this until, you know, you start understanding um, the, the the social psychology um, of things and I think that that kept me in, in good stead now going back to like the what I'm saying about my daughter is she's she's very very similar um, she gets on with boys and girls and you know being an 11 year old girl 11 year old boy you get shit off either sex don't yeah. you because you're like oh you're talking to him you fancy him or you know you're with him and blah 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 and so she was she was a little bit worried about it. I said look don't worry about what they think at yeah. the end of the day those people are probably jealous because you've got something that they can't do and they don't and they don't realize it that's why they give you shit about it and it's very similar to you know kind of what you're talking about i think mate 100 percent. and um yeah we, you know i think um you know it's another sort of another little sort of similarity we've got is like you know my daughter i think is a year behind yours in in school and um it's a similar thing isn't it i can remember back back at school everybody's you know you say you've got those little sort of there's rugby and surfing and then there's the townies and then there's the the people that hang around like the council state park and that sort of stuff little groups and they have all their own little hierarchies but everybody's ultimately trying to be the same bloke in each one of those hierarchies you know it's like school archetypes isn't it the jock the musician you know the emos are the musicians and then the townies and you know the druggies sort of or like little venn diagrams because the druggies Surfers, druggies, yeah. There's there's always a few dodgy ones in the school rugby that are doing a bit of that. Townies are massively into it, you know. So um, yeah, everybody's trying to be the same. Like I was listening to um, uh, Dan Strauss talking on a podcast, you know, the other week, and um, they said, "Oh, what's your superpower?" And he, I don't know if he was asked that or if that came later, but he was basically saying that he's never ever felt bothered by what people think of him. And um, and yet, like when he said it, I was like. I, it, it's so obvious with him because he's safe where he dresses like however he wants to dress. He's doing his random strength training. He's just being, he's just being him and he's completely free of like pressure from other people. And like that's, that is a superpower that is, you know, 
because like you say comparisons to thief of joy isn't it i think most of the if you look at most of the people in the world you know they live better than 99 percent of people throughout the history of mankind you know but but yet because of that we're, we've got the most mental illness depression suicide you know especially in young men because we're not uh, you know and this is this is me bro science in it but i think we're not doing enough um things that satisfy our basic urges, impulses and and drive, you know, like as men where you can say what you want about gender stereotypes and we're all, you know, oh, we're all the same and oh, whatever. Okay. Well, we're men, you know, we have higher aggression, we're less agreeable. Um, we like to provide, we like to protect, we like to compete. Um, and, uh, you know, and sitting around on our asses all day, you know, doing, doing a not office job and, you know, eating processed food and, not getting in the cold and not getting our heart up, you know, it's no good for us. And, and also like, we've not, we've not evolved any, any different um, software in a very limited, limited amount of hardware um, with regards to like evolution from the days when we're living in caves, you know, worrying about apex predators. So when you're, when you know you're going to get a rebriefing from your boss about doing something, no matter how small it is, your mind jumps to, Fuck, I could get a sack for this, or I could get a, I could get a verbal warning, which will lead me to a written warning, which is a final warning. I get sacked, so that takes the food off my table. Can't feed my tribe anymore. So you go straight to worst case scenario, caveman. You know, just come down from the trees. You know, that he's stealing my kill because um, we're we're just that's just the way we are. You know, we haven't evolved any further from that. I I think the more people are doing stuff like. And I'm, you'll be the same, you know, people go, oh, look, I really like to try jujitsu, you know, um, I don't know, it just looks a bit like, try, try it, you know, like, it satisfies, like, all these sort of, um, all these things that we need to do that are good for us, play, um, interaction, physical interaction, um, exercise, your, uh, you, you become, like, uh, better at defending yourself, your family, all these situations you get in, in the street, you know, um, in the street, you, if you have a burglar, you know, when I'm um, doing uh, fire brigade, you know, like did you, it cr crosses over with like antisocial behavior and there's a lot of people that set fire to things that, you know, aren't very good in their head, obviously. Um, it just gives you other, other coping mechanisms other than like, because if you don't know how to fight, everybody, everybody has an idea of how to hit someone, don't they? But if you have to, if you're involved in, a road rage in the street or you see someone mugging an old lady or whatever and you don't know how to um you know manipulate someone's body without breaking their jaw or their eye socket or you know laying them out or whatever you you've just you've got to hit them haven't you you know whereas when you know a bit of jiu-jitsu or a bit of wrestling or a bit of judo or whatever enough to you know get someone safely to the ground and then control them you know all of a sudden you've you've stopped the situation you've not hurt anyone you've not put yourself at risk of uh probably prosecution um and, and jobs are good in that and as well how different does it look when you when you use like say if you like double legged someone or you tripped someone or took them down or whatever take them back and just sit there sort of sit there and control them it looks completely different to me killing someone done it in traffic you know so um i don't know how i got onto that digress probably but uh yeah jujitsu jujitsu and activity there we are get doing what we're meant to be doing no it's it's a it's a good point and and I, I i try and i try and reiterate this too much i'm not one of these people that i i will talk about what i do if people are interested in listening to i'm not yeah. one of these people that just like oh by the way i run the jiu-jitsu academy it's amazing it will change your life swear to god 
you know, and keep going on about it all the time. I'll mention it once. Uh, and if they want to talk about it, they can. The same with the therapy side of things. Oh, by the way, I'm a therapist. It looks like, you know, you've got a bit of pack pain. You've been talking about it. I'll mention it a couple of times. Um, my mum yeah. would probably kill me for that because she, she'd go like, well, you know, you should try and book him in for an appointment while you're talking to him, you know, and, and get some business out of it. But uh, I'll mention it. And uh, I, I guess in a way, it's kind of like where um, underselling what you can do and what you can provide is which I'm slowly learning um, a little bit. You know, I've only yeah. I've only been at the military now, what, you know, nearly 16 months. So I'm learning all of this stuff uh, as I go along and trying. I've just started a kids class last week again. Amazing. Um, yeah, 10, 10 to 15 year olds and uh, trying to trying to get um, a small community or, or, or you know, Exmouth's one of the biggest towns in the southwest. So trying to um, find a way to to instigate my passion without forcing it onto people yeah. to make it an enjoyable experience for them so they can get something out of it is is something that I'm, I think I'm slowly becoming quite passionate about as well. Um, so, and all this stuff that, that we're talking about is about empowering an individual, right? Yeah, it's, it's about having that person be comfortable in their own skin. So, you know, if they're walking down the street or they're walking home at night, um, they can feel safe in the knowledge that if someone does attack them, they can look after themselves, whether they're at school, there's bullies there. You know, people are giving them loads of shit at school and they can control that anger and rage. And inside they know full well that, do you know what? If they become aggressive, I'm just going to chuck them to the deck, tip their back. And then if they don't stop being a dick, I'm probably going to choke them out. They're not going to get punched, you know. But at, yeah. at the end of the day, after that altercation, there's a good chance they're not going to become that aggressive yeah. towards me and they probably become a legend within the school as well for doing that so well, you know really, it's one of those um so i was like as i mentioned i was like the uh, stereotypical sort of napoleon syndrome short kid right but my uh my best mate uh one of my best mates um ben was uh he did judo as a kid right and he was really small as well he was a year below me at school um he's actually like i'm deaf right but he's like properly deaf um but like, just mega, mega cool, mega chill bloke. Like he, he once got, he once got run over walking to school because he was reading a book crossing the road. Like he's that kid. <laughs> I told everybody he was reading a dictionary just to make him a bit better. But so that's that's the story we're going. With. Ben was so chilled out. Um, I think he had one fight in school because some bloke grabbed him and he just went bam, like if on C and Aggie because he was like three foot two, like perfect for a CA. And like. When when you get Ipon Sianagi but like one of the smallest kids in school in front of everybody on the school field, nobody wants to be that guy ever again. And uh, like I don't think I think I I think he had like two more fights that I know of in his adult life. Was one was a bloke trying to mug him, um, two blokes tried mugging him. He did the same thing Ipon Sio, and then they ran off. Um, but just a mega chill bloke. Um, but just a little bit little bit of knowledge. But then like. <laughs> I, I find myself like it's, it's the same sort of thing, is it? People ask you about it. I'm like, blah, blah. And then you, like, I'll be mentioning it. I'm like, but the best form of self-defense is situational awareness, isn't it? Situational awareness and self-awareness. Like, so situational awareness, like, um, 
well, look, you know, the best way of not getting in a fight in a rough pub is not being in a rough pub in the first place. And, you know, and then the, the next level to that, I don't know if it's slightly above or slightly lower, is like self-awareness. Like, so if I am in that pub and I see some blokes eyeballing me, um, you know, sizing you up or whatever, I went for a period in my life, I think it was because I had tats and, you know, I started to put a bit of muscle on and stuff and I was sort of around 30 or whatever, that I, I would sort of find trouble a little bit. And I really wasn't looking for it at the time. It's normally like the the vibe you're putting out, doesn't it? And you, you find what you're looking for. But went to the pub one time, I said to my wife, um, come on, let's go. She goes, we've only just got you. And I was like, come on, let's go, let's go. She's like, no, we've only just got you. You just ordered a drink. I said, can we just go? She goes, no, we're having a drink. I'm like, okay. Two minutes later, she goes, oh, okay, let's go. I went, no, no, no. And she's like, come on, let's go. No, you're right. And I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm drinking my drink. And because then my, like, I wasn't, I was self-aware enough to know that I shouldn't have been in that place and, and I, let's get out of here, it's not worth it. But then my ego got involved. So I wasn't self-aware enough to go, your ego has now said that you're going to play the eyeballing game with these three blokes or four blokes or whatever it was. And I'm going to finish my drink and I'm not going to be hurried and then I'm going to leave. And so, do you know what I mean? I was, I was kind of, kind of getting there with self-awareness, but not enough. And, you know, my wife then was like, I get it now. You're like, sorry. And I'm like, no, no, like you did, like, how did you know? How would you know that? Like, um, but yeah, so you get a bit older and you just go, well, you know, like you could see, you could be a black belt. Um, but if you find yourself in rough spots all the time, where even if it's not your fault and you're just defending yourself, you might end up causing someone some damage one day. And, you know, you play the numbers game, you roll the dice enough times, something's going to go right, isn't it? You can end up really hurting someone accidentally or getting a bit carried away or, you know, or you get hurt. I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, stop putting yourself in that situation. You know, don't walk down that road on your own at night. If you're like, if, if the way it is, like even in Cornwall, it sounds mad because like sleepy Cornwall, like last, last year in like one month, there was a 16 year old girl raped by three lads um, there was a 13-year-old girl raped somewhere else, um, and there was a bloke that was stabbed to death in a domestic, and another bloke that died in a in a fight outside a pub. He was attacked outside a pub. A really nice bloke um, in Cornwall, you know. And uh, like, so as, as much as it's good to do self self uh, defense or self awareness, or you know, you can talk about the different types of jiu-jitsu with you know your sport jiu-jitsu and then your no-gi and then your no-gi for mma and then your you know your greater jiu-jitsu or whatever you know your self-defense jiu-jitsu that's all awesome but if you don't put yourself in town on a friday night in the first place you know like don't go in that rough pub or don't whatever it is then like chances are you're going to be good aren't you so um it's i don't know it, these things become more obvious as you get older as i don't know you're like Oh, what a nugget I was, you know, like, oh, it wasn't my fault. You know, he started it like, all right, well, I could have pinged, I could have pinged that it was going that way from when he was eyeballing me and I was eyeballing him back and, you know, whoever started it, started it. But, you know, if you, you remove yourself from that little, that little bad feedback loop, it, things are going to be a lot better for you, aren't they? Exactly. Right. We've been going nearly an hour yet. And I'd like to talk a little bit about just to finish the, uh, the podcast off really, um, grappler soap. You know, yes. how did that how did, how did that come about and uh you know we, we talked about this the other day you know how how rapidly it, it it's growing and expanding for you um you know how how did that start how did you get into it and uh you know how's it going so how it started was um i mentioned i got real sensitive skin um i'm a bit of a fanny uh so if i used actual soap my skin will go real tight it feels nice for about 10 minutes and then it just goes dry and flaky and horrible and itchy 
Um, I started using, I tried Defense Soap because uh, Joe Rogan always goes on about it. So after years of being mentally programmed by Joe Rogan, I was like, I'll get some of this. <laughs> and I had an idea of, uh, an idea of how it was going to look, smell, feel, um, and, you know, and ultimately like affect my skin. And I was really sort of, I wasn't disappointed. I was just underwhelmed. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Uh, so I said to, we're down training at my mate's place. Um, it's three of us, me, Sean, and uh, Watson, just basically filling me in all the time. I'm um, training. And I said to them, I was going to make some soap. And they were laughing their heads off. Um, and they're like, you're not making soap. I was like, I'm going to make some soap. They're like, no, 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 no. Spent about three months researching it um, in my downtime. And then... Um, watched hundreds if not thousands of videos of people making soap mate honestly and nearly all like women 50 55 plus you know um and then uh i spent about a month where i was like right i'm actually going to do this so i tried i made some it was actually really good it was better it was better than the well the world leading brand straight away and uh, this is the thing when i said to him i'm gonna make soap it's gonna be better than defense soap they're like fuck off so i said try that so he tried it and they were like it's really good it doesn't lather up too much all right, I'll have a look into it. So I looked into it and I added a couple more ingredients. I added the uh, the oats and the honey, which are different reasons why oats is mega alkaline. It doesn't matter how woo you think that is. Like like an oat bath is like a solution for people, like an old school solution for people with eczema, you know, and it really does help um, according to people I've, I've asked. So the oats and the honey, um, you know, extra humectants that, you know, add add moisture and uh, retain moisture to your skin. Um, and it just lathered up loads. So anyway, so I so said, try that now. And they're like, fucking, that's amazing. You're going to sell it? And I was like, I don't know. They're like, go on, sell it. And I had like a spare Instagram profile because I've got my art profile. Um, so I had a spare one and I was like, it was just for the gym and jujitsu. And I was like, well, I'll call it like, I'll make a brand up. So I looked at two brands that I've always, I've always really liked the branding of, like being an old school sponger, uh, Mrs. Oggs and Mrs. Palmer's, right? And I was like, they're just, it's the Shaka and, and the Kitsch logo. And I was like, cool. So, because everybody loves the Shaka, but also like, don't, don't be like, oh, it's all the time in every single photo, like family photo with your grand, like checking the Shaka out. So I put a logo, put it on Instagram. Um, and I thought maybe, uh, you know, if I maybe one day pay for like some of my utilities or my car or whatever, that'd be like a dream come true. And then like within six months, it was doing, doing quite big things. And then like, you know, where we are today now is like, it's it's just crazy um yeah to go like so we'll go we'll go to events or whatever and um i'm calling my mate or fighting or whatever and pete like there's customers of mine kids that are there and they're like oh mr bassett how you doing can we have a phone and they've bought their soap you know i gave them a soap a month before they've bought their soap to the event to like to to like have photos with fighters and stuff and and then like my mate went to um uh, a sort of a local MMA shop in Swindon. Uh, I think it was Raged or wasn't it? Was it Meltdown? It was Meltdown in Bristol. And he said like there was four people in the crowd with Mr. Bassett's t-shirts on. Like just random. Like how cool is that? That we like we created something that was um, not cool enough. I don't mean like cool, like the Fonzie cool. I mean like something that people are are happy enough with you know to say uh you know this this brand's a bit of me you know or you know i'm happy to support this brand i'm happy to wear it on a t-shirt and you know like luckily i've got the branding okay and the marketing's just me being a complete dickhead most of the time which people don't seem to mind too much so yeah that's how that's how we got started um it's going crazy we're just getting um we're just trying to iron out problems or iron out the 
the sort of entry into um, international track shipping next day, all that sort of stuff. We've um, got DPD involved. Um, so basically that, that should open up France, Holland, Sweden, uh, you know, USA, you know, we've got a store in USA, but we haven't got the pricing quite right over there. So it hasn't quite kicked off the way I thought it was going to. But yeah, the thing, things are um, looking really bright for us and uh, it's really cool as well. We've sponsored a few pros and, um, that's really cool. There are people I've followed like, like, like my whole um, my whole adult life, you know, like Jimmy Wallhead. It was, it was really good to sponsor him. But now I'm just concentrating on sponsoring um, amateur fighters. And what's really cool about that is for, you know, for hundreds of pounds to sponsor a pro, which is, again, it's really cool to do. And it's nice to be in that position to do it as well. Um, for a fraction of that, I can sponsor 10 amateurs, you know, and so... Um, uh, I'm going to say it now, like, don't message me saying, can I sponsor you, please? I'm top as a sponsorship at the minute. Um, but it's really cool to be able to play a little part in people's um, people's jujitsu. And, and also as well, I get loads of messages off people that are like, um, uh, like, oh, my son's got really bad eczema um, or my daughter's got really bad eczema. Can she use this? He really likes Nogi, but he can't train at a minute because of his skin. Yeah, okay, cool. I'll send some out. Um, and... Uh, so I send them some soap out and I'm I just let me know how it goes. And then I get a message like a week later and it's like a before and after photo. And it, like, it's crazy. And they're like, I don't understand. Like he's been to the doctors for for this like 10 times, you know, over the last, over the last like 10 years or 15 years or whatever it is. And they give him steroids and they give him this and they give him that and nothing really helps. And they use this cream and it stinks. He doesn't like it. He uses link shadow, all this sort of stuff. And they use the soap for a week and things clear up. And um, that's really cool for me when I've got like, parents of like six-year-olds and eight-year-olds and stuff messaging me going I just want to say thank you because my son's now turned around and said oh daddy now I can wear shorts without people looking at my legs like like how like because you know as well like you forget what it's like being a nipper like when you graze your knee it kills doesn't it when you're a kid so you imagine being in like constant discomfort with the whole of your skin um and then like someone's kid is saying that to their dad and their dad messaged you so yeah it's mega cool for me to um to be playing a little little part in people's jujitsu and also like, you know, um, helping some people out and also like lining my back pocket, which is the most important part. Um, also we do help, uh, we do send, we help out a company called a company, a charity called, uh, buy one, give one, be one, G one. Um, and basically I got talks into that. Uh, we, for every bar of soap we sell, we donate seven days of, um, fresh drinking water to, uh, to a child in Tanzania so I've basically done you buy the filters or whatever so transparent charity you can see where the money goes all the admins pay for by um, membership costs which I pay out of my own pocket so 100% of that um, small very small portion of the sale goes to seven days drinking water kids in Tanzania and in, in I've got to do it for the last few months actually and add it up but we're already at something like 18 years of fresh water for kids in Tanzania in like 18 months so what what a little a little tiny little difference that you know and it's except that hippie that hippie like woo hybrid stuff coming out again isn't it like you know that we talked about vibrations earlier and you you get out what you, you get back what you put out you know when you, if you're walking down the road and you're expecting that everybody's an arsehole you see arseholes if you're walking down the road thinking about the good that everybody's got in them or the potential for good that's in everybody you see it when they smile at you or you're smiling at them so they smile back and if you put a little little bit of goodness out there, you know, it comes back and um, that's what I'm trying to do with that. And that's what I call sort of my um, my karmic margin. So um, 
then when I do get annoyed in traffic and give someone the V signs or whatever, you know, at least I've got a bit of a bit of a hedge there. Right. I'll stick all these. Uh, if you send me the information, I'll stick all of those into into the bio um, cool. of the podcast. And uh, and on that yeah. note, being very philosophical, I think uh, <laughs> I think we'll end it there, mate. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and uh, we'll definitely yeah. have to do another one because I think we've only just scratched the surface with um, with kind of philosophy and uh, outlooks yeah. on life and jujitsu and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I'd appreciate if you came back. Mate, I'd love to. I can I can broach science about a manner of uh, all manner of subjects for hours. Mate, I can talk nonsense for hours. So yeah, pleasure. Thank you, Dan Bassett. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Cheers, bro. Thanks for having me, and uh, it's nice chatting to you. And that's it. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe on your podcast provider, and leave us a little review at the end if you fancy doing it. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.